Welcome to the Evening Jump. Happy New Year. I find it that is the custom that, you know, people see you at this time of year. They tell you Happy New Year, and they very often appear to be happier to see you than they have been previously, which is a bit bizarre because, I mean, just saw you the other day. You know, but the New Year, I think, overwhelmingly does good things um, for people. Uh, in large part because the people who are riding high don't believe the change of year is going to be the end of it. And the people who are rolling low believe that the new year is going to be the change, right? So, I mean, I think you probably get a higher level of optimism from people at this time of year than ever before. And then I guess Valentine's Day comes and all of a sudden it all just kind of unravels. You know, people are strange. Uh, I suppose I went to Atlanta for Christmas. I drove to Atlanta for Christmas because I realized I bought myself a fancy car. And I, I, the thing about Miami that's kind of interesting is, like, there's nowhere to go here that's, like, out of here that's in driving distance. Like, no place that I'd actually, like, ever want to go. You could really just, like, get the car, you know, hum it or whatever. So I was like, yeah, I'll go ahead and drive to Atlanta, make up stop, you know, stop in Jacksonville on the way. Because I really, I ain't got a 10-hour drive in me no more. Like, I got an eight. I feel like I got a strong eight. The problem with driving from Miami to Atlanta, however, is when you get into that zone of the strong eight, you're not necessarily in a place where you want to stop. And I have to admit, I have not become a hotel snob per se, but my hotel floor has risen, right? Um my ability to tolerate the red roof ends and the quality ends um, of the world, basically a whole lot of ends. Um, I can't really do it like I used to be able to do it. I ain't really got the ends um, in me in that way anymore. Like I got to stop somewhere that, um, yeah, like that, that's what it's got to be. Like Michael Smith once told me that his limit on hotels is room service. I suppose that's a line that I could draw. I don't really do a whole lot of room service, but I suppose the availability of it would be a decent line of demarcation. Either way, that meant stopping in Jacksonville, which ain't the fanciest place in the world, but it's got an A-loft. It's got two A-lofts, and I rock with the A-loft, right? Get in and out for 100 bucks. Not bad, right? Not bad. But anyway, I took the car to Atlanta also because my mother wanted to see um, the car. And my mother was, like, very interested in this idea that I had gotten this car. So she was sending me text messages. Like I got the car, I guess, in June. And she was sending me text messages and she would say, well, what's your, you know, the make and model of the car? And I tell her. And she said she did that so that she could look out on the road um, and see if she saw one. And I honestly didn't really like the idea of my mother operating a motor vehicle while also trying to like play, that's my car. Like I just, I just, I felt like that wasn't necessarily it. So I was just like, I was telling her, but I'm, I mean, I'm telling her, but I'm like, I mean, you're not going to remember, like, this isn't a thing, but she had written it down in the whole night and she wanted to see the car. And so I brought the car up there. Um, now I, I guess I put it on the Instagram before, so I might as well say it. I got me, I, I had a good year at the IRS, long story, but I got me a BMW um, M4. It is a pretty impressive piece of machinery right like it goes really 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 fast now the thing about having the car that goes really 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 fast and this is counterintuitive probably but i'm still going to tell you this miami is not the place for this 
because Miami has more slow drivers than any place I've ever been. And they don't even have the courtesy to like keep that slow shit in the right lane. They be in the left lane, man. I was in an Uber going 35 miles an hour down I-95 once. Like and somebody saying snowbirds, it ain't just snowbirds, right? I mean, it's a wide swath of people that just be out here driving 15 miles below the speed limit in like the most bizarre places. So y'all really like get a chance to like get that thing going. Right. And so I made the drive to Atlanta. And I really wasn't playing no games while I'm on the freeway either, man. That whole South Georgia, North Florida thing, that's really not the place for me to be. And that piece of machinery actually a wilding, right? But I get to Atlanta, and my mom's like, you got to take me out in the car. I say, okay. I go, you got to take me out in the car. I say, okay, cool. And so before I left, put my mom in the car. And see, Atlanta, at least where, you know, I, where my folks stay, got some, got some winding roads, right? And so winding roads, that's where you can, like, really do the tricks. You know what I mean? Because you can build up speed. You can handle some curves, you know? You ain't got to get on the freeway. You ain't got to worry about popo like that. Um, if you got enough of a, you know, a path of vision or whatever, you can see what's coming. So you ain't going to make no ridiculous mistakes or whatever it is. So I got my mama in that car, and we made a couple turns. And I realized that the coast is clear. And I mashed that gas, and I think we was in like a 35, and I think I'm in that car, and I think I'm going 90, and I'm just looking at her. And um, I realized a couple of things um, in that moment. Thing number one that I realized is, um, you know, you understand the idea that, like, women like fast cars. Like, I don't know how much of an axiom that is, but we understand that idea but it became very clear to me in that moment that my mother is a woman um, who likes fast cars. Um, I don't know if my dad had a fast car when he met my mother, but like, I realized that like right there in my moment. And I don't know how I feel about knowing that about my mother. Right. I understand that that's a product of patriarchy. And if she likes fast cars, she should be able to like fast cars and everything else. And that is fantastic. But at the same time, that's a, you know, that's the interesting thing that I noticed about that. Like I can tell fast car, she likes the fast car. Right. More of the story is even your mama like a fast car. Um, anyway, number two in this, and this is why I share it because, again, I feel like, and I think it's a little bit different now. It's gotten a bit more on wheel deals. We got more subscribers, but I feel like this is much more of a familial environment that I got here on this podcast. It's a lot of y'all that go way back with me. I mean, you know, we celebrate as things change, and I try to give you observations of these things because it helps keep me sane because I'm kind of, you know, in a bit of a bizarro world when it comes to these sorts of things. A friend of mine told me I'm basically kind of like the rapper who's like made it, but still trying to live in the hood in some regards. And I think there's something to that, but you know, part of me, you know, earning my keeper, bring back stories, you know, from my travels and stuff like that. And, you know, we always talk about like the notion of making it, you know, and I suppose they're like different levels of making it right. So like, I thought that someone would think that I had quote unquote made it when I got a job co-hosting a national television show. But then I did a couple of guest hosting appearances on PTI. And then I had people telling me that I made it. Like that's how they had contextualized making it right. Like PTI is a bigger name show, all these things, you know, so everybody has a different way that they look at what it is um, to make it right. The uh, 
the level of making it that I was not aware of, aware of previously, but that I realized um, in this moment is there's a different level of making it that is driving your car with your mama in the front seat going something like 90 in a 35. And this be an enjoyable experience. Like she was not terrified or anything else. She was just like, hot damn, my baby got a car that goes 90 and a 35. Like that, that's a different kind of making it, right? Like having a car that allows you to do such a thing and feel such a way that your mother still feels safe and her being perfectly aware that this is what's happening and this car is making these loud, obnoxious noises. And she's like, man, listen to that car. That's what's up. Right, like, like these these are the things that you don't necessarily think about like you get there like as you go along the path and the achievement is unlocked and you just get like a different idea of what it is because i was just like how crazy is this like 16 year old me driving my mother around at these absurd speeds in this automobile she'd just be totally afraid that she was going to die right like i'm grown enough that she trusts me to do it and you know I got that. I got. I got. I got the car. You know what I'm saying? Like that is a confluence of circumstances that I had to say gave me like a slightly different like kind of view of the world. Like this is totally first world stuff. This is totally one percent of stuff. I perfectly like. I'm perfectly aware of that. Like I don't want to mislead you and have you think that I don't understand that some of what I'm saying is probably going to make some people's eyes roll. Um, I'm also not going to stop from saying the fact that if this is making your eyes roll, there's a distinct possibility that you're a hater. Cause I'm not even really stunting right now. Right. I'm just telling you, like, this is, this was a, a thing that happened to me over Christmas break. And it kind of made me smile to think, yes, I could do something that is in theory, wildly unsafe. And with, you know, my mother in the front seat and everybody cool with it. I mean, achievement unlocked. Um, also, nope. I went to see the roots on new year's Eve. The roots played, um, spot in Miami, like a opera house type place. I don't know if it's opera or whatever, but it's a fancy pants type place. Like it's an art center, you know what I mean? So they played that. Now this is the first time I've seen the roots live since the year 2000, right? So it's 16 years and hey, man, um, one of the best concerts I've ever been to was the roots. Okay. Player tour 2000 show at the tabernacle in Atlanta. Right. Like I remember after that show, Quest went on OK Player and left something saying, yo, we wrecked it. Like it was one of those that they were in a city that they wanted to wreck and they decided that they was going to wreck it. And then they wrecked it. Right. Like that. Like it was one of those. So that was the last time I seen them. So, like, you know, the idea of going to see a rap group that I went to go see 16 years ago was like kind of interesting, you know, just to consider and think about because I've done similar things and the experience hasn't always, you know, been fulfilling. Yo. They are so dope. They are so good. And Black Thought, I mean, so it's 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 cliche to a degree to talk about how underrated Black Thought is, right? Because I feel like everybody that's aware of Black Thought recognizes that Black Thought is a monster. All that being said, it's very difficult for me to understand how it is that somehow Black Thought manages to be underrated. Like it still happens. You know, like, like it's crazy. He's so good and so i'm sitting there and it's like i say it's like this opera house show and you know i really wasn't in no situation where i felt like doing all this standing up man but i had all the rap hands and all the rapping along with the lines and everything else like it was an exhilarating musical experience like in the end that's what it was it bothered me just like 
and exhilarating musical experience because the band is great and of course that's like a huge part of it but they got one of the illest MCs out like just it's incredible how good he is right and the band is great but we're not here if it ain't for that dude he is that dope so yeah man uh happy new year I also went and uh swung a golf club for the first time in three years and I understand that everybody says that golf isn't a sport, and I don't really think the argument about whether or not it's a sport really matters that much. But I tell you this, you tell my back, my hamstrings, that ain't no damn sport. Anyway, to your questions. What did you think of RTJ3? So, uh, the third run, the jewels, came out. And I got to say, they dropped it on Christmas. And that was just a step farther than I was willing to go. Right? Like that, 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 that was just one step farther than I was willing to go. You know, like, like, like a run the jewels Christmas was not... Uh, I didn't, I didn't need that. Like I got my own dope little Christmas list and I like, yo, you know, more traditional uh, Christmas fair. I, I just, I just wasn't prepared to go to a run of the jewels place on Christmas. It just, nah, it just, it just wasn't that. So I gave it a couple of days. And then when I started driving back, I put the run of the jewels on. Okay. I wound up with this whole like fascinating range of thoughts and emotions and like find myself getting nostalgic and retrospective and all of this. And, and it's like almost like tangentially connected to the actual music of Run the Jewels 3. Now I would argue that Run the Jewels 3 is pretty damn amazing. Like, I think that it is great. I do not think that it is as good as Run the Jewels 2. Um, however, um, I don't think, that like that's not a knock. Like I think Run the Jewels Two is great. Like I mean, Run the Jewels Two is a rare, rare, rare piece of work. So saying that it's not as good as Run the Jewels Two is not an insult. Um, I just think the Run the Jewels Two, Run the Jewels Two, I feel like had a bit more of a raw, uncut sort of fury. That. I think that Run the Jewels 3 is a bit more thoughtful and contemplative. Like, I don't feel like it's going soft or anything like that, right? But I think that it had a somewhat different aesthetic. Like, it didn't just rage at me. Like, um, like I don't feel like there's any track on Run the Jewels 3 that really hits me, like, with the particular aesthetic of Close Your Eyes and Count the Fuck, right? Like, that one, like as soon you know, as soon as you get all that, you're just like, oh, oh, okay, like they tearing a hole in your chest. This I thought was a bit, I, I don't want to say strategic because that doesn't feel right. Uh, because it's not as though this this album lacks for rage, right? It's not as though it lacks for fury or anger or fire, but it didn't quite capture it in that same way I thought the Run the Jewels two did. That being said, there are some very interesting thoughts and kind of nuanced ideas 
that I find on Run the Jewels 3 that were not present on Run the Jewels 2. I just typically take that fury over nuance if you give me a choice between one or the other. But I see somebody said in the chat room, Thursday in the Danger Room is bananas. And that Killer Mike verse is outright heartbreaking. Like, that is some of the greatest storytelling that you will ever hear in rap. They also got Zach again. Zach ready to rage, boy. That's one thing I will say about it, boy. You ready? You're like, yo, we out here doing some furious music. Zach is like, so am I. Let's go, right? We can make that happen. We got a Danny Brown verse. That goes. I thought the production was strong. Like, I think it's great. Now, that then takes me to this whole other place, right? Um, observation number one. I'm starting to feel like between, like, listening to that record and, you know, listening to Sirius a lot, um, it's kind of hard to dispute, regardless of whether or not you think the music today is on par with the music of, you know, 15 to 25 years ago. I think it is somewhat indisputable that in that 15 to 25 years ago, people were better at rapping, right? Like this, the minimum standard for what kind of rapper you had to be was different. Because what has happened now is that you can take like some ability to rap with some ability to sing and throw that together with a whole bunch of other stuff and you can make it happen. And I really don't have any problem with that because I've come to a point where I recognize that those of us who came up on rap when it was in much more of, shall we say, its developmental stages, right? We have a certain attachment to the music and we have a tendency to be more confined with about what the aesthetic is, like what we do believe does or does not count as being hip hop or whatever it is. But the importance of being able to rap meant something in a different way because all of that stuff was still being formed and fleshed out. Now, what happens now when you got these younger folks doing this where rap is something that they more so inherited, right? So I'm only 36, so I can't pretend like I'm the, I mean, you know, I'm of the era of the architects, right? But I think you understand where I'm coming from. But if you were like in your 20s, this is something that is much more so something that you inherited. So this is something that you take a part of while you're in the process of making something your own. You know what I mean? And so they can take a little bit of this, a little bit of that or whatever it is, and they're not going to let the fact that they can't rap stop them. They're going to put it together, and they're going to make it into whatever it is that they do. But cats that are from the era when we first got introduced to, like, LP with Company Flow and Killer Mike, you know, starting the outcast stuff and putting out Monster and all that, yo, man, there was just a different – cats were better at rapping. The game demanded that you be better at rapping because you listen to run the jews three you just realize man these dudes are so good at rapping like i've said this many times about killer mike killer mike is one of the very few people that i say were born to rap right he is crystal clear he is powerful he can be quick he can be emotional he can be like he is absolutely he was born to rap you know, there aren't that many people where I just feel like you hear them and you're just like, yo, man, that dude was just born to rap. Like Eminem, for example. Eminem is really, 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 really good at rapping. He's made himself really, really good at rapping. That dude wasn't born to rap, though. Andre 3000 was born to rap. You know? Killer Mike is a dude who was 
flat out born to rap. And see, I thought I'll run the jewels too, because I know LP could rap. Like, ain't no question about whether LP could rap, but I thought the Kittle Mike was like much better at rapping than him. I'll run the jewels too. I'll run the jewels three. I thought LP did some tracks, but he goes off. Like, goes off. And him going to a more thoughtful place, I thought it, I found, I thought it made him more interesting to go to that more thoughtful place, right? Um, but yeah, man, I mean, I think it's fair to ask the question as to whether or not Run the Jewels is one of the greatest rap groups of all time. Because I think that three albums of this level of quality, back to back to back, is the kind of stuff that makes that we used to make us say that this is almost one of the greatest rap groups of all time. Now, I don't even know if people care about that so much anymore. But I still do. Now, I'm not saying that this makes them like the best rap group of all time. But I'm saying, like, if you fairly and legitimately take their first three records and start putting them against some of the groups that have put it, like, come out the box with three great records off the rip. You know, I mean, I ain't saying it's outcast, but it's up there. It's up there. But here's the question. If the best rap group in the world is two 40-year-old dudes, does it matter? Right? So I can state, like, objectively that they're the best rap group working, right? And I don't think there's any rap group that's got two dudes who are as good at rapping as they are, right? And putting out music that is the quality of the music that they're putting out, you know? And I guess a whole lot, a lot of old heads, like on the rap type thing, always want to show the young boys they can still keep up. Like, I don't even feel like that's what this is, right? Like, I feel like these are dudes who have decided what kind of music they're going to do and they've come together and they've begun to make great music, right? You know, like they happen to have this unreal, amazing chemistry and they found each other later in life and yeah, like to a degree, I wonder what happens if they meet up earlier. But that's, you know, like that's what it is that we've got here. But like, are the kids rocking with Run the Jewels? Like, is this music that is ultimately going to prove to be influential to the next generation of great rap music? Because like one thing that frustrates me is I've wanted something like Run the Jewels but from young from young people, you know what I mean? Like, I wanted something with that fury and, like, with that energy and with that eye to what's going on in the world. But I want to hear it from young people, right? So I get some really smart stuff out of Run the Jewels. I get some really thoughtful stuff. But I, wanna, I, I really want to hear it from the voices of those in their late teens and early 20s. You know, like, those, like I want to hear their stories kind of built into the same aesthetic. Like, that's what I want. And so, like, is Run the Jewels going to help motivate that? And if it doesn't, just to be clear, I don't blame them. And I'm not at all saying this, like, as a weakness of Run the Jewels. Like, this isn't a criticism at all. Like, this is simply an observation that it's kind of wild that they could be the best rap group working. And... I don't know how, I don't feel like, like relevant feels like too harsh of a term, but it's like, what is the relevance of this music in terms of like what happens next? And to be clear, I don't think it's responsibility of 40 year olds making rap music to be making stuff that is quote unquote relevant. Like I think they making dope shit and that's the part, the other part that matters. 
I'm just trying to figure out like for myself where all this comes together. Like what is my place in this? Right. Because I feel like I was at, you know, with where rap was at the ages that I was, when it was coming up. Like I almost felt like to a degree, I had a vote in what direction things were going in. Right. Like, you know, what I rock with and what I was into and what I was wearing and stuff like that. Like I had a vote in the direction of the game. And I'm realizing now, man, the craziest thing about this is it's like, yeah, you know, I still listen to rap and I still keep up, you know, like not as much as I used to, but you know, I still keep up and I still got people that I check for and I still enjoy. And I don't think there's ever really going to be any point where I'm out here like, yeah, I'm too old for rap. But that being said, um, I don't have a vote anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have a vote anymore. Like, I can like things, and I can talk about them, and I can write about them, but the reality is, I don't have a vote. Like, what I'm into ain't driving nothing. And coming to that conclusion is as old as I believe I have ever felt. Right? Like, all I am on this is, like, a passenger. I observe things. I talk about what I like, right? But the only people who, like, really care what I think is other old people. Like, that's it. You know, and it happens. And it happens across the board. You know, it happens with everything. You just got to get to that point where you ain't of that generation. You know? You're not like you're not at the place that pushes the culture in that way. Now, I am certainly at a point because of the position of platform with all this stuff that I could be like much more influential on some other things. But with this, like I don't make things cool. It's a wrap. And I have to admit that that is something that I realized while I was thinking that Run the Jewels is one of the greatest rap groups of all time, right? What that means, I think, is a fascinating discussion. Huh, appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. Are you allowed to put hands on the vice president if he kisses your wife in front of you and laughs it off? Yeah, man, we've talked about Joe Biden before and how Joe Biden be getting real familiar with your woman, like dead in front of you. Like we had the picture of Joe Biden giving that dude, the lady, a massage in that biker bar. We stay seeing Joe Biden, like, up all of them coming from behind, like he's smelling their neck or smelling their hair or something like that. Like, that's what Joe Biden is. And wh- whose wife was it that Joe Biden kissed? Like, because I know Joe Biden, like, kissed it, like, in the mouth. Right. Like, Joe Biden kissed her in the mouth. Bruh. I feel like that's 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 going the extra mile. Yeah, the Grassley dude. Yeah, man. And so all I can wonder in that circumstance is, did Grassley like say something to Joe Biden before they went out there, and Joe Biden had to let him know what it could be? Because I just can't believe that he ain't got no self control. Joe Biden would have had like a broken nose by now if that was the case, right? Like, or maybe Joe Biden just nice with them hands. I don't know, but I feel very much so. Very, 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 very much so. Like, 
Joe Biden went so hard on that that like I mean I guess it's similar to a chain snatcher. You only do that if you know that man ain't gonna do nothing. And apparently Joe Biden had identified Grassley as the mark and wanting him to know it. Yo, man, we gotta do something about that. Like, hey, at the very least, we gotta have some kind of phone call after the fact. Like, hey, uh, Joe. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, Joe. Yeah, yeah, it's Grassley. Um, I mean, I'm sure you didn't mean anything by it. I mean, I know you didn't mean anything by it, but you can't. I mean, I got people out here asking me questions. You know what I'm saying? Like, what it have to be? By the way, I have to say, I, I can't remember. I didn't look for this in the video. Um, how did Mrs. Grassley take this? Like, was she repulsed by this? Or was it like when JaVale McGee's mama started kissing Dr. J? Like, which, which one was it? Because JaVale McGee's mama, when she started kissing Dr. J, man, I felt so bad for, for JaVale McGee. You know, but like, I feel like, yeah, that was probably a long ride home for the Grassleys. A long, long, long ride home for the grasses. Appreciate the question. Let me see what we got here. Today, a couple lists ranking Kanye's albums dropped. Life of Pablo was ranked in the middle to back end generally. Is that accurate or released too soon to fairly judge it alongside his previous work? So here's the thing about the life of Pablo to me. I think the life of Pablo is really, really, really good. But I would be lying if I said I enjoyed listening to it, right? Like, it doesn't make me feel good. It doesn't really take me to a place that I like to traffic in necessarily that often. So, um, like, I mean, I saw some of those lists. I guess if you ask me to order the Kanye records off the top of my head, um, number one for me is my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Number two is college dropout. Number three is probably late registration. Um, number four is 808s and heartbreak. And I admit that, like, for me personally, it's probably higher, but it's speaking objectively, you know, like music critic way. I'd put it like where I did. Um, after that, I probably put in the life of Pablo. Now I put graduation. I put graduation there, and then I put the life of Pablo, and then I put that Yeezy shit. Yeah, and you know what? Maybe tomorrow I'll go back and I'll listen to Yeezus, right? Like maybe I'll go back and I'll entertain the possibility that it might not be so bad. But I, I felt like I gave it the old college trial when it dropped. And ain't nothing. Nah, 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 nah. Ain't nothing happened there. Ain't nothing happened there. But yeah, that's just me off the top of my head with the Kanye. If I had to think about it longer, I'd probably come up with different answers. And then if I thought about it again, I'd probably come up with some different answers after that. But uh, one thing that is pretty constant with me and my Kanye ordering is my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is number one. And Jesus is at the end. Um, apparently complex magazine had graduation at number two and i'm telling you man there is a huge faction of people who love 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 graduation like some people that might surprise you have graduation as their number one kanye album i'm not exactly sure why now i will say one thing about graduation is that it's leaner than the first two albums right like graduation we started dropping the skits out and it's got some really 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 dope stuff but it's got some things that I just don't really care about at all. 
Like, it does. But, like, it's got Can't Tell Me Nothing, which is, you know, like, really incredible. Flashing Lights, which is really dope. Um, he turned home into homecoming, and that was a little bit disappointing. Like, it was glad, it was good to see it get the light of day, but, yeah. Oh, it's got the glory. I rock with the glory. Um, Stronger and Champion are pretty good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's got, it's got some stuff, but I don't have it up there with the great stuff. Oh, it does have the good life. I do like the good life. Appreciate the question. Let's see what we got here. Why does every Coachella lineup look the same? This is actually a pretty easy question, and I haven't even seen the Coachella lineup. Like, I think I had somebody tell me some acts off. Hello, Beyonce going to be there. Kendrick Lamar going to be there. Um, I haven't seen the full lineup. I suppose I can pull it up as we do this year. Uh, podcast, whatever. But the reason Coachella is going to look the same every year is because every year Coachella is going to have everyone. Right? So it's always going to kind of feel like that because they have everyone. Like, you're not going to wind up being like, wow, Coachella went to much different direction with the acts. At least I don't feel like that's how it goes at Coachella. Like, I mean, I just feel like they're like, we're going to get a little bit of everybody to come out here. Also, it appears that general admission is like 800 bones um, at Coachella, which is, you know, kind of absurd. Now, let me see who's out here that I'd actually want to see. Now, they got him in alphabetical order. Oh, that Father John Missy dude. I saw him at Governor's Ball last year. I mean, that's what you're into. Uh, I saw Mac Miller at Governor's Ball, too. I guess you have to grow up from Governor's Ball to Coachella. I saw Mac Miller, and, yo, not only – he erected and, like, um, I mean, those white, those white kids who like rap really seem to love some Mac Miller. Uh, who else we got out here? This is, uh, Beyonce. I mean, she's kind of dope. They keep trying to make this bony bear thing happen. I can't. Well, Gucci Mane. Okay, I don't recall there being a, a, a Gucci Mane. Um, I feel like that's a little different. Like I don't. I don't feel like that makes everything the same. And I'm like really, really curious to see how Gucci Mane and Coachella goes on so many levels. Like, is he on the Snapchat? If so, I'll check it out. Um, oh, Lee Fields and the Expressions. I heard them on Sirius the other day. They was kind of dope. Um, Anybody else that I care about? Yeah, no, but, I mean, but this is what it is. They get everybody. So it's always going to be this big, giant mass where you can't get to everything or you can't tell or whatever. But, I mean, it's going to have some dope stuff with it. Appreciate the question. Let's see what we got here. Will you watch the inauguration? Well, first of all... Um, what day is the inauguration? The 20th? And I'm pretty sure I'll have to work. So I don't know if I'll necessarily be in a position to watch the inauguration. But even if I wasn't in a position to watch the inauguration, I would absolutely watch the inauguration. Because, like, I actually need to see this happen, I think, for, like, all of it to fully register that this is what's going on. That inauguration is going to be a trip, too, man. Like, I've, I've said a couple of times, like, I'm real curious what images that we're going to send to the world of everybody coming together at this inauguration. Cause it's going to be, I saw some that was talking about some people doing some protests for marijuana legalization and they're going to pass out 4,200 joints and they're going to smoke them four minutes and 20 seconds into Donald Trump's inauguration speech. 
And understand, those are just the people who smoke weed. Like, that's not the only cause. You understand what I'm saying? Other people got other causes. And there's going to be some wilding out taking place, I'm guessing. Now, exactly what kind of wilding out, I'm not exactly sure. But um, I don't don't know if this is going to be good for anybody. I really don't. So I think we're going to all need to keep our eye on whatever it is, man, because it would not surprise me if in one way or another it popped off. Because, like, yo, this is really about to happen, man. (laughs) Like, it's really going down. Also, if we're being honest here, I imagine Trump's speech is going to be amazing. Now, what kind of amazing it's going to be is a separate discussion that I don't really feel like parsing right now. But I do feel like it's going to be one of those things that you're going to want to hear as it happens, just so you're ready. Right? Like, like I feel like you need to check out how he's going to approach this. Yeah. Because here's my guess on this. Bannon gonna be the one picking the people to write this. Like, if you, I mean, knowing what you know, if you're Bannon, this is your chance to get your ideology out with the most captive audience, right? So I would imagine, and if you can look it up and tell me that I'm wrong, I'm willing to back down on it. But this is a guess. I mean, I'd imagine that Bannon's the one behind this, and I mean. I imagine that this is going to be a doozy. Appreciate the question. Let's see what we got here. I heard Andre 3000 spent 2016 in studio. Should I get my hopes up for an album? Rick asked this question. So Rick says, I heard Andre 3000 spent 2016 in studio. Should I get my hopes up for an album? And all I'm saying is, it's 2016, buddy. Okay? It's 2016. How do you still get your hopes up? I'm sorry, it's 2017. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. It's 2017. I'm sorry about that. How do you still get your hopes up in 2017, bro? If we get it, we get it. But I ain't hoping. Stop hoping about the Dre album. Got it. It's actually pretty good, right? Those of you who are more D'Angelo inclined, you stop hoping for a D'Angelo album. You got it. Maybe that's the best way to do it, right? Maybe maybe that's how it goes. But no, I would not. Why? Because if, if you're Andre and your money's still right, assuming his money's still right, but if you're Andre and your money's still right, like, why go through all that stuff? Like, maybe you just want to go to the studio to record because you're Andre 3000 and you can go to the studio to record. It ain't like Andre gonna want to go on some tour. At least I wouldn't expect Andre to want to go on no tour. So maybe he gives us one. But nah, man, I ain't hoping for nothing. I'll take it if it comes, though. Appreciate the question. <sighs> Ooh, sorry about that, guys. Doing a lot of yawning on you. I'm going to see what I can do. How strange is it to see someone using your photo as a profile picture or a meme or a gif? You know what? I got to be honest. Um, 
the stuff that was like initially strange as I started getting more visibility was I like attracted a lot of hate accounts really, really early, like parody accounts. Like this is like, in a measure that absolutely outpaced whatever my level of fame was at the time, right? I mean, it was, it was, it was a lot of those. And like, that was a strange behavior. And then it got like the profile picture type thing. The thing that happened with me with the profile pictures was I had to come to, un- like, I used to think that that was like stalkers and stuff like that at first. You know what I mean? Like, that's what it was. Like, I look up, like, what are you talking about? Or like, people would change their, like, Twitter, you know, the display name to some, you know, permutation of my name or something like that. It's a, it's a bit, it's a bit different, right? It's a, it's a bit different. Like I understand what it is. I know how it goes. It's just kind of crazy to consider the fact that somebody would think that like making these references as they have something to do with me, that I would be recognizable enough that people would know what they were talking about. I know what it was. Like I ain't never see that coming. Look, you gotta say, man, I ain't never been popular a day in my life. I ain't never begged for it neither, but it ain't never happened. So for something to happen like this is kind of like, oh, this is strange. Like Dan always talks about with his father, like how bizarre it is the idea that his father is a television star and that people like react to him in the ways that they do. Right. I mean, for me, thinking about me, it isn't terribly different. Appreciate the question. Let's see what we got. What were your favorite Willacoochie River jokes? Yeah, so I'm um, driving and I come across the Willacoochie River. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or the Lake Willacoochie. It, it was some body of water having to do with Willacoochie. Uh, W-I-L-L-A-C-O-O. Uh, C-H-E-E. Or was it Whitlacoochee? Like, I can't... Was it Whitlacoochee? Like, I, it was something with, with, with coochie in it. Like, like I promise you of that. It, it had coochie in it. I mean, Georgia, Florida, but you know, I can't never tell. The Whitlacoochee River. There we go. Whitlacoochee. W-I-T-H-L-A-C-O-O-C-H-E-E. The Whitlacoochee River. Like, that's what it was. I think that's exactly what it says right here. Yeah, but the Whitlacoochee River. And I just wanted to pull my car over and just laugh and write jokes. Like, that's the only thing I wanted to do. Sorry, when I Googled it, by the way, a Willacoochee also popped up. In Georgia, there's Willacoochee. Uh, so, Willacoochee, Wonacoochee, I don't know. Uh, with Lacoochie, with Lacoochie, without, without Lacoochie. I don't, I don't really understand, but that's what we have. But yeah, it was the Willacoochee River. And yeah, um, I don't know, like, what the slang is in, like, that part of Florida. I, I don't know what kinds of things they, like, discuss and what kinds of references they use for different things. So I don't know if the people there are fully aware of how hilarious that is. I mean, it's pretty far north in Florida, so there's no guarantee that Luke and his music, like, made his way up there. You know, I guess maybe it's possible that um, they got on to the very, very first Hootie and the Blowfish album, which I believe was entitled Coochie Pop. 
like but like before the 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 crack review you know like that you know that you know the, the early early works so yeah the withaclusi river keep an eye out for it i feel like you need to know it in advance because if you see it and you you know like i don't want you to choke on your drink and drive your car off the road appreciate the question let's see what we got here do you play a music instrument? If not, what music instrument would you play? So I do not play a musical instrument, but at different points in my younger days, and some of them, you know, try to get back into it in my thirties, but I have played the guitar. I have always been fascinated by the guitar. In fact, I was riding in from work tonight, and I was just listening to the radio, and I forget what song came on, but the guitar was bossing. Like, that's just one of those things I would really like to be good at doing. But I don't really think I got the, the I ain't really got it in me like that, right? Like, I feel like I got the mind for it, but I don't feel like I got the hands for it. I don't know if I got the quick and strong. I don't, I don't feel like I got it. But, like, I have guitars, right, in my living room. There are three guitars standing up in stands for people to see, and they look very, very nice. But, you know, I don't actually do anything with the actual guitars. But like that's something I would like to be good at. As I get older, also, I start thinking about the drums. Like, I feel like I probably would have had a fighting chance at being good at the drums and keeping that going. But, like, when you're a grown man and you don't have your own garage and your, like, detached house, where the hell do you keep some drums? Like, what you got to do, leave it in a storage locker and go in there to practice? Like, I don't know what you're supposed to do with some drums. I have no idea. But it would be kind of cool. I don't think about drums, man. All the guys that, like, the real drummers, man, they stay having to get their knees replaced because they're doing all that pedaling. Man, my knee hurts so bad right now, and I don't even know what I did to it. Like, I can't even blame that on golf. But my knee hurts so bad. I'm like, I swear, all I did was walk up steps at work. I, like, that's, like, that's the only thing. Hey, man. Just a little bit more adult than I used to be. And in most ways, like, that ain't cool, bro. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Evening Jones. We try to do this thing here once a week. My man, Lance Gilliam, handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you. Remember, if you can't check us out live, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the iTunes store. Subscribe at Stitch Radio. Check us out on SoundCloud and at the Google Play Store. I'll talk to you guys next week. Take it easy.